folks, it's season three. <laughs> we are on to a new topic. In season one, we told you the story of Doug. In season two, we talked about the story of YouTube. And in season three, we're back to just talking about one guy, <laughs> which will be a relief and a curse. <laughs> because uh, when we just talk about one guy, we usually get the chance to really dive deep into someone's mind. Like really dig into what makes this person fucking suck so much. And, you know, we may, we may have done this too soon because I cannot imagine we will ever talk about a person again who sucks quite as much <laughs> as Max Landis. <laughs> this yeah. guy, if an L.A. comedian, like, was doing a stand-up set and she was like, oh, uh, you know, this boyfriend I had, and she talked about Max Landis, straight up, I wouldn't believe her. <laughs> I would be like, oh, you're lying. He's a, he's a, you know, he's a sex pest and his dad is a famous film director who murdered people. <laughs> Come on. Come on. No. That's that. Yeah, no. But no. He really does suck that much. Yeah. It's impressive how fucking awful this guy is. <laughs> yeah. And, and it, as soon as, as soon as I got the idea to do a season on him, I was like, we got to do it. Yeah. We, uh, yeah. It's, it's unavoidable. He is like. He was one of the only uh, guys I can think of who like sucks in this in the way that is as horrific and fascinating as as Doug did. Um, yes. Who also like had you know well I'll say this the flame that burns twice as bright burns half as long and Max Landis's yeah. career uh, was for he was everywhere for a very short amount of time from like yeah. 2012 to like 2015. He had just, he was just constantly had movies coming out. Yes. Um, and he was also all over the internet. Like, yeah. that, that's why we're doing a season on him. Because, like, you know, there's plenty of bad, shitty directors out there. Like, um, I don't know, fucking, this guy didn't sexually assault anyone, but J.J. Abrams or whatever. <laughs> like, you know, he sucks. But we'd never do a season on him because he doesn't do internet shit. Yeah. Or Michael Toback, the guy who sexually assaulted, like, 400,000 women. Like, we're not going to do a season on him because, again, he doesn't do internet shit. But yeah. he was all over the internet. James Toback. <laughs> and yeah, Max is is interesting because he, I think you can sort of chart the way that like um, people sort of scenes and and discourses on the internet developed based on sort of what he was pretending to be uh, to like get laid. Um, yes, like he was. Uh, for a little bit in the middle there, like a very, like prototypical male feminist type of guy. Um, yeah, he still kind of is. He still kind of is. Thing. Yeah, that's the thing. Even a, even after uh, <laughs> we had a movie that came out in 2020, and people were talking about the feminist themes and. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I mean it's the it's the Devin Farachi thing. He's like, he's he's he tries to like weasel his way back in by by you know. Or like the fucking Polygon Nick Robinson thing. It's like, well, there's people who probably haven't heard the allegations. Yeah. So I'll just pretend like I'm a really good guy and say all the good guy things. Um, and people who don't already know who I am, because that was a million years ago in internet time, like, will be a fan of me. And he's all over the internet. We're going to talk this season about his YouTube stuff, which was like... Oh, boy. Some of it is as consequential to his career and his, the, the canon and the arc of Max Landis as any of his films arguably his most important work is a youtube video 
Arguably his most influential work is a YouTube video. I, I think, yeah. I and yeah. yeah, we'll get to that in a future yeah, we'll episode. We'll get to that one. But yeah. We'll have to do a whole episode on that fucking one. <laughs> oh god, that means I'm probably gonna have to rewatch The Force Awakens. Oh uh, no. <laughs> I never wanted to watch a Star Wars movie again. <laughs> will not will not be the worst movie we have to watch this season, yeah. for sure. Might be yeah, down no. there though. Yeah, no. Okay. But yeah, it's uh what a guy. Also, by the way, you compared him to Devin Farachi. Max doesn't have shit on Devin Farachi. <laughs> Devin pretends to be a Buddhist now, which is fucking awesome. Yeah. That is the single coolest way to try and come back from being me too Yeah. That is the single funniest fucking thing you can possibly do. Max just, like, wrote an essay called, like, Why I'm Being Gangstalked. <laughs> and that's all, that's all yeah. he did. No, but, oh boy, fucking Max Landis. So... The story of Max is, is that in the 1980s... Hey everyone, this is Spencer. So, straight up, when I was recording this episode, I got John Landis confused with Joe Dante. I don't know how the fuck I did this, or why I'm even allowed to still have a podcast, but I just straight up did this, and I would like to point out that Esther didn't correct me. So it's equally her fault, if not more her fault, honestly. But, no, I got, uh... I got John Landis screwed up with Joe Dante. And I said a bunch of shit how he was one of Spielberg's guys and how, you know, he Spielberg stuck his neck out for him. No, that was fucking Joe Dante. What the hell am I talking about? No, Max Landis was this guy who made like really fucking broy frat house comedies like Animal House and then eventually moved on to stuff like the Blues Brothers. He, he was sort of like the lowbrow comedy guy of the time. And he eventually made more, I guess ambitious stuff like into the night but he's mostly known for just like he was mostly known for really just kind of the mo the the types of 80s movies that when people complain about how dated 80s movies are it's like oh uh this is this is the movie called the rape frat uh yeah it's that type of movie so i would like to personally apologize to everyone for fucking this up it speaks very ill of me and my film knowledge and if you have any complaints or if you'd like to unsubscribe just send any uh threatening messages to uh www.twitter.com slash five poisons kid just send them all right there and we'll listen to every single one of them all right back to the show and then, on the set of Twilight Zone the movie, in case you're one of the three people that hasn't heard this, um, and we're gonna we're gonna mention it a lot this season, probably every a episode. A lot, yeah. Uh, a little helicopter crash happens that was the direct result of neg negligence and ignoring safety precautions, and three people, including a kid, are killed because mm -hmm. of this. Now the movie is still released, and John Landis. You know, he's cleared of charges and he gets to have a career, although reportedly Spielberg cut all contact with him after this. Mm. Um, what is it? <laughs> Which, you know, friend of the show, Ty, suggested that uh, Spielberg was like, no, that's the wrong thing to do the kids. You're not supposed <laughs> to kill them. You're supposed to do the other thing. Jesus. But <laughs> anyways, he has a son by the name of Max Landis and... Like all industry kids, because nowadays in Hollywood, in order to get into the industry, you basically have to be someone's niece or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, he starts a career. And for a while, he looks like one of the most promising young figures in Hollywood. He has what, uh, he has a spec script selling spree. You know, he's kind of like the golden boy in fucking, um, in his, like, you know, in his film school and in the high school. Like, all of his classmates are making scripts for him and shit, like... He 
is he has like so much potential which you know again nepotism case but everyone in hollywood's a fucking yeah. nepotism case so it's still in its own way impressive yeah. he is a a really he's a really brilliant pitch artist if you've ever heard him i remember hearing him on a podcast ages ago talk about like uh his idea for like a pirate movie and he got it all into the story and he gets you really engaged. And then the twist of his pirate movie is that it's a captain hook origin story. (laughs) Like he, you know, after like 15 minutes of setting the scene, he's like, and then, you know, he's on, he's in Neverland. And actually though, and that's like kind of Max Landis's whole deal. He'll be like, all right, I'm telling a story that you think is actually an original story, but the twist at the end is it's going to be something you're actually familiar with. And we see that in Chronicle which we'll talk about in a lot of his stuff. But, like, that's why he was selling all these scripts at the time, because he is such a, like... If there's one thing he's really talented at, it's pitching. Um, yes. And that's something that, like... It's the kind of, like, Hollywood skill that doesn't show up on screen ever, because, obviously, like, you can pitch... If you're good at pitching, you can pitch a fucking terrible story, and people will think it sounds great. Um, but, like... yes he kind of has one trick and you can see in a lot of his movies how like oh i see he just did the same thing he just described it as an original thing but then it turns out like it's just the same thing over and over and it becomes more and more apparent as as his career goes on yes a hundred percent so chronicle chronicle was his first uh you know it was the first film he made that got produced and uh, it was directed by Josh Trank, who is, uh, you know, he's one of the guys who kind of hangs out on film Twitter now. <laughs> but uh, Josh Trank, this is, I think, his first film, too. Yeah. I think it's like a double debut. Yeah. And Chronicle uh, Chronicle was one of those things that was kind of like a big deal at the time. Like, I, I, I you know, I, I being a, a fetus at the time it was released, <laughs> um, I, I don't remember this too well, but... I, I do I do remember it was one of those movies like you know you know especially uh, like every couple of years there's sort of like an indie-ish movie that gets like a crazy amount of buzz from you know people who are into film and by pe- there's certain types of people who are into film and the type of people who are into film I'm talking about are like the guys who like every single night they ha- like least favorite movie in their DVD collection they've seen more times than your favorite movie. <laughs> That's that's the type of guy who really hyped up Chronicle, mm-hmm. and uh, it became a huge fucking deal. I remember uh, Esther, you were uh, you were one hundred years old <laughs> when this movie came out. Yeah, so I just celebrated my eightieth birthday, and I saw the trailer. Yeah. Um, no, I was yeah. I was a senior in high school, which is like the time for a movie like this to hit you. It is one of definitely yes. one of those movies that's like if you're a teenager who's just getting into movies, you feel you watch this and you're like, holy fuck, I've never seen anything like this before. Um, so when I, when this came out, I was like, fucking, I fell in love. Like I was obsessed with this movie. Um, when the Blu-ray came out, my friend and I skipped school that day so we could just watch it again. (laughs) 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 Um, I loved it. And the Blu-ray came out. Yeah. Not even the movie premiere, the Blu-ray. No, I mean, that's so fucking tight. No. Yeah. Cause we, we were obsessed with it when it came out in theaters and like yeah. it's 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 so funny because for years after that I would think about this and it would be like like basically anything I believed in when I was a senior in high school I was kind of like this I that was probably fucking stupid of me <laughs> to think that Chronicle uh, was good and then of course when the like when the Max Landis stuff started to come out I was like Ugh. like I, I kind of even it made me feel even grosser and like not wanting to revisit it um, yep. It, it was the perfect confluence of like 
reasons to be embarrassed for liking a movie. Um, but I rewatched it today, and you know what? It's still pretty good. <laughs> I, I was actually surprised by like, you know what? This this holds up. This is a pretty cool movie. I'll, uh, we'll get into that, but yeah, no, I think for me in high school, that movie was probably Whiplash. I think Whiplash yes, was my- That's uh, another perfect, my, yeah. That was my high school senior movie. I'm still like in, uh, unlike you, I'm still fucking ride or die for that movie just because <laughs> of how, how much it blew my mind when I was like in high school. I was, showed it to all my friends and I'm like, you gotta fucking see this man. <laughs> this is the coolest shit in the world. And all my friends were like, yeah, this rocks. <laughs> And I was a band kid, too, so it hit me, like, extra fucking hard. So, um, yeah, no, damn, being a drummer is exactly like doing sports. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. So, Chronicle. Okay, so for starters, I 100% understand how this got made or why this got made. Mm -hmm. Because, like, this concept, you know, Max would revisit it a lot of the times, but... This concept, especially in 2012, is fucking brilliant. Mm -hmm. This is, like, algorithmically generated to be the most popular movie ever made. Yeah. Like, it's a found footage movie, which, you know, found footage movies had their second wind around this time. It's a superhero origin story, and this is when superheroes were huge, but people weren't sick of them yet. Like, this is, like, you know... Before the backlash to Marvel set in, which, by the way, am I the only one who thinks that Marvel movies aren't cinema? Like, am I the only one who thinks I don't know about you, and maybe if if some of our listeners are like, if there's any leftists out there who think that actually, like, they're not that, they're not that good, like... Yeah. Does any, does anyone else agree? Yeah. You should make some tweets about (laughs) that. Not enough people are saying that Marvel isn't real cinema. (laughs) But, um, no, uh, this is, like, right at the perfect time. Three months before the first Avengers movie came out. Yeah. You got some vague school shooting stuff in there, too, which, like, you know, this was <laughs> released around the same time as Aurora and Sandy Hook, which, you know, it, if it works, it works. So, yeah, it's, uh, no, this is a, just a perfect jewel of a 2012 film. And it is, it is, I, you know, if I was a fucking, you know, pedophile studio exec in the early 2010s and I heard this pitch, I'd be like, yeah, we're going to give you all of the money you need to make this. Yeah. Like, this is the type of thing that's like gets put on your desk and you realize you've won the fucking lottery. <laughs> Sorry, this is unrelated. I have to bring this up right now. I'm just looking at the Wikipedia page and I learned that to save money, this was shot in fucking South Africa at the quote, Film Africa Worldwide. <laughs> <laughs> this is a fucking Boer production. <laughs> that's crazy. I had no idea about that. Yeah, no. <laughs> They oh, shot no, it on the, so the leftover District 9 sets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah probably, honestly. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, man. It's great. No, but Chronicle. Uh, so this is an interesting movie. I did not like it nearly as much as Esther did because I'm not as much of a found footage head. But mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. Let's just kind of go over the story since I, I, there's uh, there's obviously some stuff we'll agree on. So this yeah. is uh, the story. Before you know, it's a superhero origin story. It's about a uh, kid um, with the most hilariously abusive father in the world (laughs) and the most uh, uh, sick mom in existence. Like, that is the one thing that genuinely just, like, pissed me off about this movie is that his David Cross-looking dad always would show up and be like, I'm going to beat your ass, son. Once I'm fucking done stealing my wife's Percocet, I'm going to fucking beat your ass. And then the mom's just like, I'm so sick. Oh, you can just hear her in the background of every woman. scene, just going, oh. Yeah. oh. <laughs> <laughs> going, 
That's the death cough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she was the first COVID patient. Yeah. <laughs> and the dad's like, once I get my wife's fucking Oxycontin, I'm going to fucking beat your ass, boy. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, no, it's... um. There is not a subtle depiction no. of abuse in this movie. No, it's it's a very easy, like, shortcut, I think, to, like, why would this kid have, like, school shooter vibes? <laughs> because my dad is even more evil than the guy who killed three people <laughs> in a helicopter crash. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... Uh, no, it's his dad is just like fucking, you know, in between his dad, you know, firing him out of a cannon. Uh, he, he gets a video camera and gets a really fascinating interest with a video camera, which I got to say, found footage movies, they kind of have to work this thing where they have to, unless you want to say fuck it and just roll with the roll with the idea, which more movies should. A lot of movies feel the need to internally justify yeah. why their character is constantly holding a camera. And this movie does a lot of clever stuff to keep the gimmick going, mm-hmm. especially in the second half. Um, but it is a pretty clever thing to be like, what's one type of kid who would fucking, um, what's one type of kid <laughs> who would constantly be carrying around a camera? Oh, a fucking school shooter. <laughs> That's the type of kid who yeah. would do that. So it is smart. Although I got to say, they do do the thing too much where characters are like, bro, you got to put the camera away. You're creeping me out. Yeah, man. You, it's, you, it's too much. But that's the thing. In 2012, when people were like, you know, Paranormal Activity 3 came out a couple months before this, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think people were like on the verge of, of the bubble bursting with found footage. So I, I, there's definitely an impulse in this to be like, we are right. We have to constantly be have people being like, oh, what? put the camera down already. Stop stop filming. But like I, like I say, I do think it's like genuinely, if you're going to have, and again, I'm a huge fan of found footage movies, but if you're going to yeah. have like that justification, if you need to have like the camera be motivated, then I think, like, you know, the reason he starts filming is because he's like, yeah, Dad, I'm going to, if you abuse me, I'm going to film it. Like, if you start beating me up, I'm filming everything from now on. And that is, like, not the worst in to a found footage movie. Yeah. You know? Although it is funny that he does that, and then the next scene he's, like, filming one of his friends Yeah, it's like, something. Yeah, this is my school. I got, yeah. Dane DeHaan's depressed school shooter voice is really funny and good. I think he's, yeah, he's no. talking completely zogged out for the first, like, 30 minutes of this movie. Yes. Um, and he hangs out with his friend who also got to give props to um, uh, Alex Russell as Matt Garrity, who perfect friend who hates you vibe, <laughs> like perfect guy who only keeps you around out of pity. Like the yeah. energy he radiates in this movie is <laughs> like perfect for that. Um, and he hangs out with him a lot. And, uh, you know, they, they uh, he's trying to keep him in the loop and they go to a party, but it sucks. And... You know, Dane DeHaan is fucking the school shooter kids crying outside. And then uh, a surprisingly bland Michael B. Jordan comes out and says, hey, man, we found a we found an orb out in the woods. Do you want to go? You want to go see it? It's like, OK, sure. We found a mysterious zone out in the fucking yeah, woods. It's actually really funny when he comes up and he's like, yeah, we found this like thing. And it's almost like, oh, did you just not like have. <laughs> Josh Trank yeah. just wasn't sure what the thing was going to be yet. So he's like, just just shoot it. Just shoot it. He's like, oh, no, we found yeah. this like weird thing. I can't describe it. Yeah. We found some sort of cube out in the woods. <laughs> uh, but no, they, they go outside and they go to the zone and, um, you know, some crazy shit happens. Because if you're in a movie and there's a zone, there's always going to be some weird shit happening yeah. there. And <laughs> can, can movie characters go to a zone that's normal for once? Can, can we? 
we talk? Like can we talk about this? Can we fight? Right, I'm sick of the weird things in the movies. All right. Yeah. Can so can some characters just go to a zone where there's good vibes yeah. or whatever? <laughs> and maybe Can they just hang out and be nice to each other. Yeah. <laughs> for once. No. But they go to this fucking like you know cave area, which is a pretty cool cave. Honestly, yeah. I'd like to hang out there. And then uh, <laughs> they get um, what is it? They they get uh, telekinetic abilities from it. Yeah. And then they um, in the best part of the movie. The three of them realize they have their abilities and they get up to mischief. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, if the whole movie was just them doing jackass shit with their like mind powers, yeah. this would be my favorite movie ever. It's good. It's like, it's all like extremely low stakes pranks. Like there's a bit yeah. where they just steal a woman's like cart at a store and just start like knocking random things into it. And it's like, there's one where they just ruin a kid's life by having like a fucking stuffed animal levitate in front of it. It's like, oh, that kid's never born <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think, like the, the teen boy writing is actually surprisingly authentic i gotta say yeah it's just like the level of just like scampishness they get up to with their new abilities <laughs> yeah. yeah if the again if the whole movie was just them doing like i mean it kind of is but if it was just them doing pranks and the pranks escalating then i think this would be like the coolest movie ever made but you gotta know uh, you mm -hmm. know you gotta raise the stakes because <laughs> it's a screenwriting rule yeah you can't just have guys doing bits for an hour and a half using psychic powers <laughs> And, um, what is it, uh, yeah, they do it, and, um, you know, there's this guy riding their tail behind them, and the school shooter kid fucking just knocks the car off the road. Um, <laughs> he just, like, knocks it off the road, and they barely manage to save his life, which, yeah. honestly, pussy move. It would have been cooler if he just fucking died right there, yeah. but... <laughs> I get, I get why they wanted to save his life, since they want to keep you in suspense. And, um, what is it, uh... You know, eventually they they their powers get stronger and they, you know, they start flying around. They do this shit and it makes the school shooter kid more confident in himself. Mm -hmm. um, and it's he eventually this culminates in a uh, scene where he does a talent show, which I got to give props where due. The, the talent show scene in the movie is pretty good at, like, keeping you in suspense. Like, oh, is he actually fumbling it or is this just part of the trick? But... No, the trick goes really well, and um, he all of a sudden he's the cool kid in school. Hmm. Oh, by the way, I wanted to go circle back to a few earlier things. I just looked at the notes on my phone. There's a perfect 2012 moment in this where they're driving around in the car, and uh, the normal kid, the non-school shooter one, that isn't also Michael P. Jordan, <laughs> he, um, <laughs> Matt, essentially, hmm. he's rapping along to Jesse J. in the car. <laughs> That is, yes. Yeah, it's like if if the only way that could be more perfect if it was fucking B.O.B., which it is since that's a song that has Yes. <laughs> and um also there's a I don't know if this is going to be a recurring Max Landis thing, but um <laughs> the 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 what is it? Matt fucking constantly name drops philosophers. Uh, no, this is yeah, this is the thing about the movie that I actually do think sucks and is like a really obvious lazy screenwriting thing it's like all right yeah again it's funny because it's like matt is supposed to be like the normal one like andrew is the yeah. school shooter um steve who's michael b jordan is like the super popular guy but matt is just supposed to be like the average point of view character but he has this weird thing where he's constantly being like uh have have you read um have you read any emmanuel kant because actually yeah. kind of describes actually the funniest one is when they're in the cave and he's like, do you guys know Plato's allegory of the cave? <laughs> it's 
such fucking perfect dumb guy writing. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, okay, we need to make it so this character's arc is he goes from being really self-centered to being really magnanimous and sees the superhero. And the way they make him self-centered, rather than just him not wanting to hang around his fucking Adam Lanza-ass <laughs> friend, the way he makes him self-centered is like, this guy loves the shit out of philosophy. <laughs> like if there's one type of guy in this world who is just a complete psychopath, it's dudes who know who fucking Schopenhauer is. Yeah. That is the one fucking guy you don't want to mess with. Yeah, it's weird because in real life, the that like it's Andrew who is that kind of guy who would constantly be like, uh, have you fucking read any Foucault? Like yeah. he actually says that nothing matters, so you know, it's okay that I'm that I'm killing you yeah. right now. <laughs> Yeah, no. Um, literally, I mean, literally, they make uh, fucking Andrew's motivation is that he, like, he, <laughs> I'm sorry, this was part of the movie where I was just like, fuck this. Or he's like, yeah, I googled evolution online, <laughs> yes! and I learned about the thing called uh, the apex predator, and I'm feeling like an apex predator <laughs> myself. It's like, you, fuck you, man. Yeah. It's, 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 oh, there's a lot of screenwriting shortcuts in here that are like... <laughs> I googled, is it okay to kill people? And the first result said yes. Yes, so yes. here I am right. fucking killing people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I discovered this thing called uh, liveleak.com. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, there is some strong uh, nerd misogyny and uh, nerd racism running through this movie. Yes. A little bit of nerd racism. Um, they have uh, uh, the nerd misogyny is that. The way I would describe every female character in this movie is shrill. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> you get an early insight into how Max Landis thinks of women. Like, okay, so when he's the popular kid, when Andrew becomes briefly popular, some girl with dyed hair, yeah. literally just Zoe Quinn, <laughs> goes up to him. Zoe Quinn just goes up to him and is like, I want to suck your cock. <laughs> and so they, they go up to the room. And fucking uh, Matt and Michael B. Jordan are like, yeah, yeah, he's getting pussy. Woo! <laughs> and then, like, immediately they go in there and she's, like, storming out in disgust because I think he threw up or he something. He pukes on her, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that that's a normal thing to happen Yeah, sex, honestly. It's a, a normal <laughs> thing that happens. But um, <laughs> that's pretty regular. She was over. I don't know. Yeah. It's like, come on. Yeah. Yeah, um, but no, that's that's the moment that makes him snap. But no, the 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 woman in this movie, there's like a reporter chick who, I'm not. I think the only reason she is in the movie is because they need like someone to hold a camera that isn't fucking hump. Yeah, <laughs> Andrew. The, you, she like. <laughs> I think once you like, once you really look at this movie, you can sort of see how Landis is like tracing back certain aspects and decisions to be like all right i need this to happen and the only reason she's in the movie is so that matt's character like has a place to be while certain things are happening <laughs> like yeah while um you know as happens later in the movie when steve uh dies when andrew kills steve it's like all right we need him to be like getting pussy right now so that he is busy <laughs> while these yeah. other two are having this scene <laughs> Yeah, that that is a uh, that is his motivation. But nerd racism aspect, Oof. the nerd racism. There's only one moment in this movie. Like most of this movie, okay. You know, credit where to Dane DeHaan and Alex Russell are really good in this. Michael B. Jordan. It's almost like he knew that he was going to be a star because he's fucking like, he's coasting. He's like yeah. a he's like a mildly charismatic TV actor. Most, <laughs> and. There's one scene where they're talking and he's holding the camera and he's st 
the one black guy in the movie is staring at a woman's ass. Yep. Like he's like pointing the camera around. He's just following a woman's ass, and it's like, oh man, you do this. Yep. Yep. You could get away with this. <laughs> <laughs> Less than literally ten years ago, you could just have a, a black guy in the movie. It's like, damn, I love, I love woman's ass, yeah. and, and it's. Uh. There's <laughs> that. There's that other scene where he and Andrew are sitting on the top of the building, and Andrew's floating the camera around, and he's like, nah, I can't do that stuff. I don't have that finesse like you do. It's like, <laughs> Jesus, man. <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah, they do make it, uh, they do even it out because there's the scene where fucking, uh, <laughs> the scene where Matt can't jump. There's literally the scene where they're like, Andrew and Steve are learning how to fly, and Matt's just like yeah. fucking failing completely. <laughs> I mean, white, um, white men can't jump. We know this. This is 100%. Yeah. Anyways, um, they're flying. When this happens, uh, this is the moment that kind of, uh, that kind of breaks uh, Andrew. That and his dad, you know, fucking bringing home a Gatling gun and firing it at him. <laughs> all of the all of the abuse scenes are like some shit out of American Beauty. They're just so yeah. like just broadly written because that's the only way uh, Max Landis can conceive of a dad more evil than his. Yeah. It's like, oh, what if, what if my dad was literally fucking Doctor Evil? <laughs> yeah, it's Andrew's, Andrew's dad like picks him up by the ankle and starts just spinning him around and creating a tornado. <laughs> Yeah, starts, like, dangling him off the roof like fucking Michael Jackson. <laughs> yeah, no. Anyways, you know, the, this this combined with, uh, you know, his dad doing fucking seven torture shit to him <laughs> breaks him. And he's flying up in the sky during a lightning storm. And uh, Steve goes up and is like, hey, man, what are you fucking doing up here? This is crazy. And uh, they fight, they argue, and then lightning strikes um, fucking uh, Steve and kills him. And it's uns- it's I think it's left ambiguous. Uh, I think it's implied that Andrew used his powers to strike lightning, strike Steve with lightning, basically. Yeah. Um, or his powers got out of hand or something. And so uh, he is dead. And I think at this point, he uh, Andrew realizes that, you know, uh, that's when he Googles uh, Darwin. And <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, this means I can be evil. And he starts using his powers basically to uh, for more sinister purposes, and including saving his uh, insanely fucking sick mom. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny when he, uh, you know, he like uh, robs these guys out on the street and <laughs> just gets like ten dollars from them. Yeah, like, that's a that's a good little side bit. Is like he rob he like kills and robs five guys out on the street. And he, like, gets, like, $15 total. Yeah. That's actually a great, like, Max Landis, like, you were raised in a fucking mansion in Hollywood thing. It's like, yeah. for some reason, Andrew's neighborhood just has, like, four vaguely criminal guys who hang out in the same spot every day. And it's, like, yeah. it's never really made clear, like, what they're doing or why they're supposed to be bad guys other yeah. than being mean. But, like, yeah. there's this, it's like, oh, yeah. Snapping he... their fingers like it's in West Side <laughs> Yes. <laughs> fucking jazz. It's, yeah. yeah, it's like, of course, if you're Max Landis, you're like, if you go to any other town in America, there's just, like, criminals lurking around waiting to <laughs> beat you up. You know, he, he uses this power on the criminals, and then he robs a gas station, and in a pretty sick moment, uh, he robs the gas station. The guy goes after him with a shotgun. He deflects the shotgun, but it launches at the fucking, like, gas. And it causes the whole fucking thing to blow up, which puts him in the hospital. Yeah. Which, um, at this point, I got to talk more about, um, uh, I got to talk more about the directing. Because if I saw this movie in 2012, my first reaction would be, 
oh, this guy is someone to watch. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't be talking about fucking Max, Max Landis. I'd be talking about fucking Josh Trank. Yeah. Because the, the directing in this movie is genuinely really fucking impressive. Mm-hmm. Like, for how they use the motivated uh, camera work to how they, like, kind of balance between fucking, you know... At this point, when they're in the hospital, they use security cam footage, and they bounce between, like, a real camera and the security cameras. And the way that, you know, like... Within the motivated camera work, they find cool ways to edit it and have multiple perspectives and stuff. And goddamn, like it's they he does a really, really fucking good job. Um, what is it? Just finding new angles for this gimmick. Yeah. And he he shoots them all in really compelling ways. Like the the explosion at the gas station is shot through security cam footage too, which is also really really effective. Arguably more effective than if it was him holding the camera. Um, and no, it, he does a really fucking good job. And when shit goes haywire in the third act, he does a really amazing job of keeping the, um, keeping all the chaos and like building explosion shit. Since it's basically the same ending as the first Avengers movie. Like it's just this big fucking battle in the middle of like a metropolitan city, like a smaller city than the one in uh, Avengers, but it's still the same ending, but he does a really good job at keeping it like visually coherent and exciting. And you get a really good like survey of just like all the damage being done. I, you know, I got to give him props for that. Yeah. I mean, you know, like I said, I love found footage movies and like, it bothers me when I think there are like, they're underachieving found footage movies that are like, Oh, you didn't even try to, there's no reason this has to be found footage. It doesn't really seem like it is in universe. There's just kind of a handheld yeah. camera the whole time. And then I think there's also like overachieving found footage movies, which is like you don't have to explain every second why things are being filmed or why, you know, why things are going on. You don't have to yeah. overcommit in that way. Like one of the benefits of found footage is that it's a very laid back style that can be used like to greater effect than than it seems and i think this is a good example of like i don't think trank isn't trying to like outsmart the genre in what he's doing yes but he's doing it but he's just being really smart in how he's using like like you say swapping between cameras something i didn't notice until i saw it today is that when the movie starts andrew's camera is like really shitty like i think someone even says like are you like piece of shit from 2004 camera but when it cuts to his new camera because he loses the first one in the cave it's like noticeably clearer and better because steve who's the rich friend bought it for him and it's such like a yep. small thing that they don't like they kind of con- commented on it briefly but it's like you know it's one of those things it's like oh you are kind of paying attention to uh how these cameras exist in the world and it's not just like I think a lot of found footage filmmakers find it really easy to forget that these cameras are supposed to actually be there in the world. And like Trank does a really good job of always remembering that they're there and placing the camera in someone's hands or in a, you know, perspective. And they're very tactile objects too. Like, you know, cameras get knocked out of people's hands and shit. Like every time I started to wonder, it's like, okay, does this really need to still be found footage? Then all of a sudden, like, you know, like when they're flying and the camera just gets fucking knocked out of their hand because of the plane flying by. I was like, oh, this is why. This is why. Yeah. This is fucking sick. Yeah. You can't do this shit unless it's fucking found footage. And that's one of the benefits of the genre. And also, it is cool that he, Trank, and I think the only other like movie around this time that was able to do the same thing was Cloverfield, is, you know, kind of put found footage, which is a genre mostly associated with like 
horror movies that cost like $14 and are just mostly about people wandering around a house that's weird. Yeah. You get to basically put it on a really big canvas. Like you, you get to use the filmmaking techniques of this genre and you get to use them for like, you know, big action movie stuff and real chaos and, you know, spectacle basically. And I, I think that that combination is inherently really cool. I think it mm. honestly... If it's done right, you can get the same level of visual clarity that you would from a more classical method of shooting. But you also get this, I don't know, visceral impact from, yeah. from kind of seeing it from this POV perspective. I don't know how to describe it, but you do get this very different feeling seeing like um, watching this camera kind of crane around and catch, you know, buildings falling apart or something. Yeah, so, it, it, it's smart. And I so I, I remember when I. First, first thing, what I remember when I saw it, sat down and saw this in a theater, none of the third act shit was in the trailers. Like, yeah. you you went in just thinking it was going to be like, you know, kind of the goofy jackass type stuff, and then maybe something there would be like a dark twist, a horror twist. Mm. But as I was sitting there, I was like, holy fuck! Like they're like flinging buses at each other and like blowing up buildings, and I was like, it. I think that's one of the reasons the movie was such a big hit because it just like it comes out of nowhere. You don't, yes. if you're sitting in theaters and 10 years ago, you don't expect that this movie is going to have that, like, the scale of the spectacle that it has. And yeah. that's, like, super, yeah, it, it's it's genuinely really impressive. And, like, the way that they incorporate the found footage into it is really smart. Though there's a bit where, like, they just cut to some guy in his house, like, filming, and his yeah. wife's like, get away from that the That bit's windows. amazing. Yeah, it's awesome. It's so cool. And they break in. Yeah, and they yeah, fly no. through. Yeah. It's so fun. Yeah, no, that is so tight. I, like... I was pissed since I was, like, I'm not a fan of the movie, but I was, like, really not liking it because of the writing. But then the fucking, I don't know, like, the, I like the jackass stuff, but I was kind of turning against it again. But when it kicks into high gear in the fucking third act, I'm like, all right, this is fucking sick. Yeah. This is so, t <laughs> like, I think I said aloud, like, when, you know, one of the buses was flying around or, like, when all the cameras go flying out of the fucking space needle. I'm like, all right, this is so fucking tight. Yeah. This is fucking awesome. Um... And it, it is. It is really, really fucking impressive. And, you know, obviously, Josh Trank deserves most of the credit there for, you know, engineering it so well. But got to give it up to Mr. Max because this, you know, the, the idea to escalate it this far is really, really inspired. Yeah. I, think, I think it is really, you know, he, he does a good job of building to this and creating this, um, you know, creating the situation. Although... Gotta gotta give him some demerits for having the girl show up again and basically turn her into like a like a damsel in distress. Yeah. Basically, again, the script is fucking stupid. But like, this is a great example of like sometimes nepotism works out. Because if it was just yeah. like if Max Landis wasn't a nepotism case and he'd brought this movie with this third act to a studio, they would have been like, no, like we're not giving you twelve million dollars yeah. to make this. Forget it. And it's only it's only because of who he is that this movie could be realized in this way. And it's really cool. Yes. So, you know, that's score one for Max in this case, even if his script yeah. is the worst part of it. Yeah. Also, most of the special effects work in this is really impressive. Like, you yeah. know, it is a clearly a $12 million movie. Like the special effects work is in a lot of cases, it is pretty seamless. Although I will say there is the worst green screen effect I have ever seen in my life. Like something straight out of a dog video that at the very end, <laughs> when he's up in the mountains it, it, it looks like he's in fucking like photo booth <laughs> but no the the special effects work is pretty good in this too and they, they got to use it in like very kind of subtle and interesting ways so again props i guess yeah. yeah but anyways um 
you know, uh, his dad comes back to the hospital and the dad, when he's in the hospital, the dad's like, this is your fault. Ah, your yeah. fault. Your mom died because the mom uh, naturally because subtlety is not something <laughs> Max knows. Um, the mom fucking uh, the mom fucking just dies while he's like uh, out fucking rampaging and stealing <laughs> shit to save his mom. And uh, <laughs> the dad comes and is like, I fucking took the last of her painkillers and I'm going to fucking kill you. <laughs> and then he just blows up the side of the building and then what's his name dane's character andrew uh picks up his dad and is about to like everyone's watching because people thought a bomb went off in the hospital he's about to drop his dad onto the ground but uh matt comes and rescues rescues the dad which is a nice touch honestly yeah and then um what is it the two start fighting and uh you know it turns into this big chaotic battle and what finally happens, um, what is it, is that uh, Andrew is so evil. Matt tries to, like, you know, be like, I, I care about you. You're my friend. It's literally, you know, we're going to talk about Star Wars a lot this season. This is literally just the ending of Revenge of the Sith. Yep. I, or, uh, <laughs> yeah. I literally just realized this is the big fucking Mustafar duel, basically. Mm -hmm. Where they're just like, you were my brother. I loved you or whatever. And he's like, no, sorry. I want to be evil. <laughs> and in a surprisingly gnarly pg-13 kill matt uses his psychic powers to fucking impale andrew yeah with a, <laughs> with a spear like he takes it from a statue and just fucking cleaves it straight through him yep there's some really gnarly pg-13 shit in this movie too like yeah. uh andrew when he's mad at a bully he just uses his power to just yank his teeth out mm -hmm. which, <laughs> which holy shit man that's evil yeah no, they, they definitely, but, like, they don't, once that stuff has to start happening, they don't soft pedal it. I think it's, like, an admirable thing that they, yeah. you know, it, it, the the only thing that, the only direction they don't go is that it they don't do, like, the, the carry ending of him rampaging through the school and just fucking killing teenagers, which also would have yeah. been, like, a perfectly good way to end it. But I appreciate that they're like, yeah. no, we're going to have them destroy the fucking city. Yeah, I mean, they could have done both. If this was like a $20 million movie, he could have done a school shooting and then gone and done <laughs> evil shit in the middle. <laughs> that would have been fucking tight. Yeah. I think I would have bumped it up half a star if they did that. <laughs> Although, one, okay, one problem I will say about the, the mayhem in the second act, it uh, or the third act, it has what I like to call uh, the Akira problem, which is that the 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 dialogue in the third act is mostly just the characters shouting each other's names yeah. like especially matt matt's just like andrew 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 tetsuo just <laughs> over and over and over again yeah again that's a script problem and not a fucking um directing problem but I, it is it is a it is a thing that kind of grated on me where he's just constantly shouting andrew andrew <laughs> just over and over and over again but uh you know that's a that's a small nitpick i also want to make the small nitpick that uh i could not tell if these people were in high school or college uh, for the <laughs> entire time <laughs> like i thought that they were in college for the longest time since they were going out drinking and shit but no it turns out they're in high school they're just high school seniors and i was just looking at these guys and i'm not normally bothered by like old looking you know it's it's better to cast a 22 year old as a high schooler than have to fucking cast like a 15 year old like you know yeah. it's clearly fucking better like don't 
don't violate fucking child labor laws just because you want realism. It's fine. But I was just watching this and I'm like, that is a that is a grown ass man. <laughs> that isn't that is an adult right there. Yeah. Yeah. It is especially apparent, I think. I think here. Yeah. Because and, and especially in the talent show scene where they, yeah. they just look like they're thirty five. <laughs> well, it's because I think it is like so authentic in most places in terms of how they're written mm. that it comes across like, oh, this is like yeah. just looking at them doesn't really add up. <laughs> I think Dane DeHaan, you know, he still looks like he's eighteen now. <laughs> like he's thirty six now and he still looks like an eighteen year old. So he works. But um Alex Russell, like he, he looks like a d Alex Russell is actually younger than Dane DeHaan, but he like I guess since he is eighteen, he looks like the head of a multi level marketing company. <laughs> it just doesn't work. And same with Michael B. Jordan. Like Michael B. Jordan just looks like he's like like, you know, your cool dad in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so no, that that does not fly at all. But again, those are those are nitpicks. Um what is it? It, it? it is impressive what this movie builds to at the end. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, it builds to that. And then it ends with uh, Matt, you know, on Mount Everest or whatever. And then it's, oh, it's a superhero origin story. Mm -hmm. And then he flies away. Yeah. Which, again, when I saw this in the theater, I was like, yo, I didn't see it. Like, you know, that is, yeah. again, that's what Max is talented at. It get, He gets you to that moment of like, holy fuck the thing that I was watching was actually a different thing, <laughs> but it's like, you know what I just realized. What? And you're going to want to fucking kill me for this. Okay. And I'm not saying these two are the same in terms of quality, Okay. but I am saying, you know, whose career, uh, minus the sexual assault allegations, <laughs> you know, whose career, uh, Max Landis really mirrors in that he has a lot of initial hype. And then people realize that he kind of does the same trick. No, don't and then fucking there was a sharp backlash. Don't say, come on, man. It was, yep. No. And he made a movie that was a superhero origin story in Fuck disguise. Off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's M. Night. No. And I'm not saying that these two are the same in terms of quality. Unbreakable is obviously a way better movie than this. Mm. And, um,. I obviously M. Knight's a better filmmaker and a better writer mm -hmm. than Max Landis. Yes. But <laughs> the similarities, if we're being objective, mm. are there. Are there. Well, what a great way to fucking start season three, Spencer. <laughs> Making me so mad. You can't deny uh. that the backlash, that the way people are like, yo, this guy's fucking hype as hell. And then he realized that he sort of had one trick that he kind of leans on a mm. little bit. <laughs> and then... Not fucking agreeing to this. <laughs> it's, it's not even wrong. It's the way fucking people turned on M. Night despite him being a good filmmaker is similar to the way people turned on Max Landis. <laughs> I, what if it turns out Max Landis is actually a good screenwriter? Well, we'll find out. That's the journey we're embarking on. I would on. fucking lose my shit. If we get to the end of the season and we're like, you know what? Actually? <laughs> God damn, I love being evil. <laughs> this is the most menacing fucking thing I've ever done on Ugh. this show. Oh, man. Fuck, man. No, 
but literally this movie is literally just unbreakable is the funny thing that max landis went to the studio it's like what if we did found footage unbreakable with high schoolers it's like yeah shit and unbreakable is an amazing concept for a movie so it works but when you describe it's a superhero origin story that doesn't reveal it until the very end there we go okay oh man (laughs) (laughs) oh man no but yeah yeah, so uh that is chronicle uh i i'm not a fan of it honestly that i cannot get past the fucking the really really bad writing and i think that it really only you know kind of clicks into place during the third act but um i i i get why you like it there's cool shit in here basically i I will concede cool shit happens there's there's some cool shit in here i am not as embarrassed for liking it as i thought i would be yeah no i mean like you know as far as you know high school movies to be obsessed over there's way worse you can do than fucking chronicle oh yeah like yeah like 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 uh, whiplash for example (laughs) (laughs) yeah no whiplash is good um Mm -hmm. what's a i'm trying to think of a genuinely super fucking embarrassing thing oh if you want to give me shit i was into uh i i liked the spectacular now when i was in <laughs> that's that's something you can fucking rake me over the coals for that's something i'm like oh god i yeah. want to fucking kill myself whenever i think about how much i liked that in high school no um, listen i entered high school the uh same year that fucking the dark knight came out like that is my that my high school experience yeah. was the the dark knight to the dark knight rises oh shit you know what? I was in middle school when this came out, but you know what was my shit in middle school? What? Fucking Zombieland. Yes. That is the worst fucking That's thing a bad I one. think I could have been in. That is a bad that one. That is really, really dire. Yeah. Fuck. I might need to do an episode on the other show on Zombieland because <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> That's a bleak one. But, yeah, no. Anyways, um, by the way, uh, Chronicle. <laughs> I want to talk about a few uh, behind-the-scenes things. For starters, um... Uh, what is it? Um, <laughs> uh, for starters, Chronicles sequel it was there was supposed to be a sequel for a while, yep. but um, uh, Fox didn't really like his script and hired new people to write it. Basically, uh, I think Landis said it was going to be darker. And his so script is Fox not good. Kind of a- By the way, I've read yeah. it. It's really not good. What happens in it? It's like, it's like they're. <sighs> Partially about this woman who's like a schizophrenic terrorist. <laughs> um, Damn, Shoddy, is she single? <laughs> yeah, I know. Hey, listen. Yeah. Uh, maybe you'll like it. But yeah, it's like, yeah. it's not, it's only barely following on from what was good about the first movie. Um, it's much more just like a traditional fucking, like there's a government conspiracy and he's got to be like a superhero and stop the, the terror. It's just, it's just really lame. And like mm. the thing that, Chronicle's like a simple movie. It it has simple pleasures. And he's just like, yeah. there's just nothing enjoyable about his script. It's very tryhard. It's very boring and dumb. And we might do a bonus on it. Like, that might be fun. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's I'm, I'm glad it didn't get made. <laughs> Josh Trank, by the way, apparently did everything in his power to make it so Chronicle 2 wouldn't happen. <laughs> because he said, um, 
what is it? It said he'd quote had nothing to do with why I wanted to do the original film and that um what is it? Quote, I really didn't ever want to see Chronicle Two happen. That was my worst nightmare. First of all, I'm not doing it. Second, if someone else does it, then you know it's gonna be a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's so tight. Hell yeah. Um yeah, no, that's pretty awesome. Apparently, when the Max Landis allegations came out, Josh Trank said, yeah, I straight up banned him from the set of this movie. <laughs> Fucking justice yeah. for Josh Trank, honestly. That poor guy that's, got completely yeah. thrown under the bus because it's like the idiots at, at Fox fucked up his yeah. Fantastic Four movie so bad. Like, I'm sure, I don't yeah, know if that no, movie would have, I don't know if that movie would have been actually good if he had kept on, but like, it's yeah. so transparent how they were just like, all right, we fucked this up, so we're going to, like, leak stories about how he was a diva or whatever through the press. Yeah. It's just so obvious. If fucking David Ayer can have a career, then why can't this guy? <laughs> Seriously. Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. No, but, um, Gester, did you know that they actually announced a new sequel? Like, a new idea for a sequel that they're going to do, apparently? Wait, really? Yes. In August 2021, a female-led sequel yeah. was officially announced by producer John Davis. It would be supposedly set 10 years after the events of the first film and deal with topics such as fake news and cover-up. Yes! Ah! Oh, fucking finally. Someone's going to talk about this shit, and from a woman's perspective. <laughs> We're getting a found footage movie about fake news. Fuck. That's you know, going to be so with, uh, bad. With deep fakes and shit, you can't trust what you see on camera anymore. How you know? can you trust your own eyes when there's people uh, like freaking making fake news and they could make Obama say swear words? <laughs> oh man, dude, that is gonna be the worst movie <laughs> gonna ever made. So I'm, gonna... I'm gonna see that shit in theaters. <laughs> I'm gonna take research chemicals and go see that in Times Square. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. No. Okay. So, any uh, any closing thoughts on Chronicle? No, I I still like it. I think it will probably be the only time I enjoy watching a movie this season. So I'm savoring. Yeah. I'm I'm really hoping that there's like one movie that's just somehow insanely good that people were wrong about. <laughs> like, like fucking like Victor Frankenstein yes. is somehow amazing or something. <laughs> I guess we'll see. Yeah. No, it would. I think the funniest one would be if uh, the new one, Shadow in the Cloud, was yeah, good. That fucking I think nobody if Shadow saw. In, if Shadow in the Cloud was actually like a four star movie, <laughs> I think I'd like, fucking cry laughing. <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll oh, yeah. find out, folks. Hmm. So, uh, you know, now that Esther and I are both out of school and uh, we're on the grind, uh, we have we have merged with the Patreon of my other show, those good old fashioned values. And we are on a schedule where, you know, once a week you get your Get Cynical. And on off seasons, we'll have, you know, in between seasons, we'll have something else for you, too. And in between, in the weeks in between, we will have bonus episodes for you that you can get if you go on to uh, those good old-fashioned values Patreon. If you go on to one of the higher tiers, you get all of my other show's uh, stuff. So you might as well try and check that out. Give it and a shot. see if you can have the stomach for it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, hope you like jokes about Roger Ebert not being able to speak because we do that pretty much every episode. And, I disavow um, the other shows, by the way. I have nothing to do with them. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, and uh, you'll get a bonus episode every other week. We'll talk about stuff that we didn't talk about for season two, like, say, 
Smiling Friends or um, The Annoying Orange Adventures. We've got some more Doug stuff planned. Uh, I really want to do an episode on his Sailor Moon video because <laughs> that is one of the most insane fucking things I've ever seen. I'm so mad we didn't talk about it when we were doing yeah. season one. And uh, yeah, you can go on that. And uh, for the low, low price, I haven't decided the price tier yet, but it'll be like six or something dollars a month. You can... Um, you can help uh, support us torturing ourselves. Yeah. So go check that out. Um, and uh, yeah, subscribe to the Patreon. And if there's also any, uh, you know, any ideas you have for Get Cynical, uh, if you do the $10 tier, you can basically vote for bonus episodes and you can vote for a Get Cynical bonus episode if you want to. And, uh, you know, see, uh, see, see how much pain you can inflict <laughs> on us. So, yeah, that's going to do it. Um Hope you all enjoy the season. I'm very fucking excited to see where this fucking takes us. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be something. You're gonna wanna listen. Yeah. yeah. Alright. Bye bye. Bye.